Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we pick up all the bits from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into our sermons and break them down. And today we're looking at the sermon, Innocent Bystanders. Christopher and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat today because not only do we have returning guest Mr. Michael Godfrey with us, hey everyone, we also have a new co-host who has not appeared on this show ever before. It is the one and only Mr. Mitchell Santa. Good evening, Mitchell. I just want to get to know you a little bit better. Oh, cool. <laughs> if uh, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Oh, that's really tough. So let's say. Brunette, maybe seven feet tall, um, and I ride no, sorry. Uh, a unicycle for a living. You know what this sounds like? What this, does this sound like? This sounds like um, the dating <laughs> profile that we made for Jesse on that one episode. Do you also enjoy long walks on the beach and ice cream? Long unicycle rides on the beach. Oh, man. I have, like, these wide rim tires. <laughs> wide rim? <laughs> I have these, like, wide tires that I go on the beach with. Because, you know, if you if you ride with, like, narrow tires, it just sinks into the sand. Yeah, that's But I was sitting there one day and I was like, what can I do about this? Mm, mm. And I thought to myself, wide tires. Have you patented that? Uh, let's not put this out. <laughs> let's just leave this one between Edit. us boys All for, right. the, for the moment. No, no one will ever find out. And... For for anyone um, for anyone interested in that uh, podcast in where we talked about Jesse, uh, talked to Jesse and did his um, his dating website profile. That's episode six of the After Seven podcast. I this yeah, is true. encourage you to go check it out. Episode six, the prodigal wife. Subtle plug there, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle. Well, let's get right into the recap so we can begin the podcast. But just before we do, if you guys haven't watched the sermon, Innocent Bystanders. Make sure to go to the link below, come back here later, because this podcast will be full of spoilers. Obviously. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into our quick recap. I suppose that comes back to me. So, we begin by looking at this story of this young girl, Kitty Genovese, who was actually, uh, she was stabbed in around about the 60s in America. So what was so surprising about this was that, first of all, it was a completely unmotivated attack. The stabber had no relation to Kitty Genovese, didn't even know who this girl was. Secondly, the sheer brutality of it. And then third of all was the fact that there were about 38 people in the buildings just kind of watching on and doing nothing. Now, uh, to the credit of some of these people, some of them did like call out and try and get the person to stop, um, stop hurting her. One person did call the cops and then the cops didn't end up responding. But what was, it really shook America because so many of these people were watching this one lady and none of them went in and helped. And it started this study and research into this idea of the bystander syndrome or the bystander effect. It really shook America because everyone began to wonder what would happen if I was caught in a bad situation and nobody else came to help me. And the irony is if there was only probably one person on that night her rate of survival, or her chance of survival, would have actually been higher. Because if you're the only person in that scenario, you think to yourself, 
well, I can't delegate responsibility to anyone else. Mm. The only person here who can save her is me. Whereas when there were 38 other people, you hear it outside your room, you know, you can hear it from the window. You go, oh, look, if it's an, actually a problem, there are 37 other people who could help her. Mm. And it really scared people because it's so intricately part of human nature. And so what's interesting is when you go and look at some of the Psalms in David, David actually sums up four different types of sin in one verse. And one of those happens to be the sin of failing to meet the mark. Um, you can find that in Psalms chapter 31 and verse 12, where it says, oh, Mitchell, do you want to read that one out for us? Psalms 31 verse 12. Blessed is he who tran whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Mm. And so what's interesting is each of those has a different type of sin. For example, transgression is like willful rebellion or disobedience. Iniquity is like crookedness. Deceit is falsehood or guile. But the one that we really focus on in this specific topic is uh, just the word sin. And in the Hebrew, it's translated as loosely to chetah. And it means to miss the mark or to fail to do one's duty. And so we kind of begin to have an idea of what the Bible says about failing to do the right thing. It's actually considered a sin to just be a bystander and to watch evil go on. And we get to see what Jesus' opinion about this is um, in Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 to 37, in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Most of us are familiar with it, even those who uh, may not be Christian. It's just such a common phrase in uh, our vocabulary you know, oh, he was a good Samaritan. That's the idea. The story tells, you know, of a man who's beaten down, he's been robbed, he's left to die on, alone on the road. And people just keep passing by him. And they're religious leaders. They're supposed to be the very people who you'd want, you'd think would actually go and do, you know, the work of God. And then it happens to be a Samaritan who is one of the enemies of the Jewish people. He's the one who helps him. And so then we looked at this idea of, there are two sort of ways to interpret this uh, parable that Jesus tells. The first one focuses a lot on this idea of social justice and taking care of people's physical needs. And that's a really, um, we can definitely take that message away from it. That's definitely something that we can use. But I think the second meaning, or the second way to interpret it is much deeper. And I think it's what Jesus was trying to get across. If you go back to verse, 27, uh, verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, the lawyer actually asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life or the kingdom of God? And then Jesus begins to tell us parables. So the context of this story is actually to do with salvation. And so I think what's interesting is the story of the Good Samaritan asks us, who do we identify with in this story? Do we identify with the Good Samaritan, maybe we identify with the priest or the Levite. But what's interesting is most people have never considered identifying with the man who was robbed. And really what we have to see is that all of us at one point in our lives has been that man who was robbed. We're beaten by sin and by Satan, we're left to die, and it's only when Jesus comes and he, he acts as the Good Samaritan, wrapping us with his robe of righteousness, righteousness and healing our wounds and all these things. It's only when we recognize what Jesus has done for us in our lives 
that we can begin to go and do the same for others and be that good Samaritan. So it's only then can we begin to avoid being this innocent or really a guilty bystander because now we have that motivation. I've been saved. Now it's up to me to do the same for others. Yeah. And again, the, and again, it's not talking about the physical here. It's talking about the spiritual. It's talking about how we can um, tell others about the good news of Jesus. It's interesting um, that we do it once once we realize Jesus died for us. Because if we did it before, it's like I'm doing this good deed for someone because I'm mm. a good person. But it's important that we do it afterwards, after we've realized what Jesus did for us. Because it's it's instead of saying, look what I'm doing for you, it's I'm passing on what's been done for me. Mm. which is So it's really taking on an attitude of humility in the whole scheme of it. Yep. So that's just a pretty quick recap of what it is. So essentially, the first interpretation asks us, it causes us to question and evaluate, have we committed the sin of omission, which is failure to do the right thing, by doing nothing? Um, and the second lens, it causes us to question and evaluate, are we in a state where we're ready to bring people to know the love of God? Because really it tells us that to truly love one's neighbor is not only to meet their physical needs, but their spiritual needs as well. Yeah, exactly. And that we need to share the same love, mercy, com- kindness, and compassion that Jesus showed us, and then bring them to have a personal relationship with him. That's ultimately kind of the uh, main recap or the main message of the sermon. All right, so let's get into your guys' impressions. What did you guys think of the sermon? Um, yeah, well, I uh, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I mean, not that I don't enjoy your other ones, but this one especially, it uh, it, it really spoke to me. I um, So I got the first part, and I've heard the Good Samaritan, I must have heard it a million times, that parable, uh, and I understood what you were saying um, about looking through that first lens um, and um, uh, being the priest of the Levite in the story, of course, everyone sees sees it that way. Um, trying not to be an innocent bystander, trying to get involved, always being aware of when people are in need in a physical sense and um, being able to be there and to help them. But then uh, the message was multifaceted. Like you, uh, you just added that second element in there, and it was really interesting and like mind blowing. I was, I was just that's something that I haven't heard before. That that um, sense that we can also be likened to the person that was beaten in the story. Uh, obviously, it's so clear what Jesus meant to convey, um, what he intended to, to show through the parable, but everyone seems to miss it, and they seem to just see that first layer, and they um, miss the one underneath. And um, that's, It's such a powerful one, and um, I thought it was really good that you were able to bring that out. No, I'm really glad that... Um... You, you enjoyed that kind of multifaceted idea, and it was it was new to me. While I only came across it while I was researching it, so I'm glad that um, people enjoyed it as much as I did the first time I heard it. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, what I really liked was the whole different forms of sin, because like it's something I often did, right? It was, you know, I could not hurt people and then I haven't sinned, or like mm. I could <laughs> not break the law and then I haven't sinned. But yeah, that's a good point. What the sermon says, and it's really important, is that not doing something is often sinning. Yeah. And I think I think the thing I'm guilty of most is probably just not doing something when I have the opportunity. True. Yeah, it's 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 a very convicting thing to think about, to look at points where you have failed to do nothing, mm. and you realize, oh man, it's been quite a few times, and it really it does it, it does cause you to evaluate and to really reflect on. Yeah, your your spiritual life. Even today, I had like an opportunity to like visit someone, or, or like you know, 
and 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 so for example i had i was going to visit this person but i didn't know where they lived and i didn't know their number or anything and so i thought to myself hmm what can i do to get out of this <laughs> and and i said i said all right i'm going to text my mom and i'm going to let her give me their address and I'll wait until she, you know, it was like passing on the responsibility to her. Yeah, yeah. delegating it. And yeah, like exactly. I could have, I could have like called around. I could have really worked on finding where this person lived. But instead of doing that, I just sort of said, "What can I do to get out of it?" Ah, oh, yes, I'll let Mum take the responsibility <laughs> from me. Yeah, it's it's so easy to delegate and just make excuses. And I do it all the time. Like, and like, like it's just natural. Yeah. Well, that's a scary thing, isn't it? It's it's a human tendency to do that. We don't like to even look at Adam and Eve when, like, God says, "Hey." You guys, um, why'd you sin? Eve goes, oh, it was the serpent. And Adam goes, well, well it was Eve. You know, so we, we never want to be responsible. We always enjoy delegating responsibility. It's mm. just a, this innate part of uh, the human nature, yep. which is why it was so scary, especially the idea of the bystander effect. Exactly. It, it scares people because we know that if, if we do that, other people are just as likely. Mm-hmm. And what happens when I'm in the one, well, I'm the one in need. It's, it's, yeah. And you, you never do it right. But it would be so scary to be standing there watching something happen to someone and think, Oh man, what if that happened to me? Mm. Like you don't want to do it in the situation because like you'd, you'd feel pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh. But, but yeah, you block that. You block the thought out. Like if that person was me, if I was the one being stabbed, for example, mm. what if everyone was just standing around watching? Yeah. Like how, how horrible would that be? And you just don't think of that. All right, no, nice. Well, I'm glad you guys really got something out of it. Um, if you guys got a blessing out of it and you got some food for thought, then mission accomplished, I suppose. Well, let's keep the ball rolling by going to our next segment, the drawing board. Mr. Sonta, what is the drawing board? Uh, the script says the drawing board <laughs> is where we discuss the sources, inspirations, and goals of the sermon in order to better understand the sermon in question. I don't think I've ever had anyone break the fourth wall like that before. <laughs> you just revealed well the done. behind the behind the curtain, <laughs> the movie magic. Nah. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, the drawing board. Well, um, the idea came, I was actually researching for an assessment here at college about faith and moral development, and uh, specifically like developmental theories and stuff, how we gradually, through our lives, begin to progress through different stages of uh, morality. So, you know, when you're young, things are very black and white. Mm. Um, mm. Like the, the classic dilemma is there's a man and his wife is sick and he can't afford it because it's too expensive at like a, a highway robbery price, you know? So in mm. order to save his wife's life, he steals the medicine. Mm. Is that okay? And the kids would basically always say, that's not okay because you broke the law. Now, if you were to ask an 18-year-old that, they'd have to actually think about it and go, mm, y- yes, no, eh. their, their cognitive development is higher now. And so I was looking at these ideas of faith and morality, and I came across this good book um, called Why Is It So Hard to Be Good by Al Genie. I think that's how you pronounce um, the name. And in it, he gave reasons for why it, for reasons why humanity finds it so difficult to just be good good human beings Mm. and amongst them uh one of the reasons was it's so easy to be a bystander that was the name of the chapter it's so easy to be a bystander and uh it's not actually composed by a christian author but he mentioned the good samaritan in it and i'd never thought of it in that context in the way that he'd spoken about it and um that's also where i got the idea for the key genovese story and it really hit me 
and I was I thought to myself I can I can use this um, I want to be able to again get people to feel the same way I did when reading this story again in a new perspective and then I, I as I was doing some more research I came across this great sermon by John MacArthur called um, the most misunderstood parable of all time and in it he talks about that idea of the second lens that we're not just talking about physical we're also talking about the spiritual. So that's basically my sources and all that. And so I suppose the main goal of it was to really just get across this idea of getting each of us to evaluate ourselves. Because that's the only thing we can do. You know, I can't make a judgment on other people. Yeah, sure. The best thing we can do is reflect ourselves. And it was supposed to demonstrate that as as Christians or just as good human beings, you know, we are called to do right by others. And that doesn't mean just active. That doesn't mean just not doing evil or not sinning. It also means not allowing for evil to continue and just being a bystander and allowing that to happen. Mm. So, yeah, that was the main goal of the sermon. What's What's cool is that like if you extremes are always important. So the extreme I would use is say if someone is I don't know if someone's like lying in front of a a laser. Let's put, let's say James, like James Bond, right? Bond. Yeah. Gold, uh, right? Goldfinger? Yes, let's say that one. Goldfinger. I don't know which one. Anyway, <laughs> they're, like, they're lying there, right? And they've been like, I don't know, paralyzed or something. And they're just lying on this bed and like, it would be so easy for you to just walk over and just push them off and just like get them out of the way, right? And and if you don't, they die. And if you do, they live and they're they're eternally grateful, right? Now, that's, a, that's an extreme example. And you're like, yeah, of course you would save them, right? Of course you would do that. But then we bring it back to something less obvious, like mm. something less extreme. Like, what's an example? I'm trying to think of an example. Little Billy cut his toe. Yeah, little Billy cut, cut his toe. And his mum is like, his mum's like, I don't know, five minutes walk from where he is. But you're next, you're right next to him. And you, you know, like you don't know little Billy very well because he's a kid. And if you stop and help, you're going to miss your bus back home. Exactly. But like, you know, you could say, oh, I'm really busy. I've got to get home and cook and, you know. Or you could stop and help him. Like, his mum's really close, so it's not a big deal, but you could help him. Look at that again, delegating responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Every time we're in a situation, humans always go, who can I pass this on to? <laughs> Anyone but me. Yeah. It's funny. Even um, even Moses sort of did that. Mm. God said, hey, I want you, I'm giving you this responsibility. Do as I say, and you're going to help for your people. Moses goes, are you kidding me? You want me to do that? That's one of the extremes mm. to the big mm. ones. Like, you want me to do all that? He, yeah, and he gives, I, he, he starts giving excuses. I can't speak. Like, I, I can't speak. I'm slow of speech, you know. They're not going to believe me. All these sorts of things. And eventually God just says, look, if I'm with you, what can go really wrong, you mm. know? Mm. And it's interesting. Think about what was the last words that Jesus said. He gave a commission to us to go and make disciples of all nations. We've been given that commission We've been told to go out and do this. So if, if God is with us, yeah. then really what is stopping us, you know? Mm. It's so easy for us to sometimes, like Moses, come up with excuses or delegate responsibility when if we just realize that we've been given this commission and this, you know, um, protection by God, we're going to be all good. Mm. All right then, well, let's get right into the main meat of the podcast, the cutting room floor. Michael, what is the cutting room floor? Well, the cutting room floor is the segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't make it into the final product and break them down. Nice. All right. So 
as far as this sermon went, there actually wasn't too much information I had to cut out, um, but there were a few interesting things that Al Genie talked about. Remember, I referenced that book earlier on. Mm. So he mentioned a few other factors that play into this idea of why humanity finds it so difficult uh, to be good. One of them was this idea of narcissism. It's kind of like the root of it all. We are so self-absorbed with who we are and our own personal gain that we often forget about the other people. And it's interesting, if you think about the original sin um, of Lucifer, what was it? Iniquity was found in him, is what the Bible says. Yes. And, and what, 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 what was that iniquity, like specifically? What was his... Um... It was covet. It was coveting. Mm. He, he wanted to be like God. Oh, he wanted to be God. Yes. So he commits both... Yeah, he commits both like coveting and also pride. Mm. That's right. He covets the position of God. Why? Because he feels as though he is better suited. Yeah. He can't so, see he can't see why Jesus gets to be like the one that talks to God. Envy. Because mm. like Jesus is just one of us, you know? He's just just a guy like just like me and you. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah, it's that envy and that pride and he's so self absorbed he goes, uh, I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. And if um if anyone wants to read at home uh, some more about that you can read in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and Revelation 12. They've all got stuff to do with Satan and um, his, uh, yeah, his fall from heaven. Well said, preacher. Oh, I do try. <laughs> and so what's also interesting is that involved in this idea of narcissism is also this idea of gratification. And if possible, instant gratification. We love it so much. Yeah. Um, we love it more than like thinking about the future, like yeah. something, we could have some massive potential future game, mm. but we think, ah, but just that, you know, just that right now, that yeah. nice feeling that we get right now, That's that'd it. be awesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and we see that in the story of Jacob and Esau, don't we? Mm. With um, the pot of stew. You yeah. Know? Far out. Give me your birthright. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm uh, Esau. Uh, no, how does it go? <laughs> Esau comes up. <laughs> Jacob, Esau, Esau comes up, you know, Jacob, give me the stew, I'm about to die. Um, okay, for your birthright. And, like, there's a whole lot of backstory there. I actually, um, if you want, uh, I'll put a link in below for my sermon. I did a sermon about this, and I look more at the historical context of what's happening and why this exchange is... Um, there's more to it than what we read on the surface. But even then, it's still a bad deal. It's just another example of somebody giving something of such worth for something of so little worth just to get instant gratification. And what's really interesting about that is, like, we look at that story and we laugh and we think, man, Esau was a dope, right? (laughs) What a dope. But the thing is, we often aren't even starving and we do the same thing. Yeah. Like, Esau, was he was genuinely starving. He needed food right now and he did that and it was dumb. It was really dumb. Like, he gave away his future. But... And we, uh, we laugh at that, and we and then we go back to our own lives, and we do it, like... All the time. For something really, really simple. Yeah. That's the case for a lot of stories in the Bible, and a lot of characters. We look at what they, they do, or what they've done, and we think, man, that's crazy. We would never do something like that. But in our own context... Yeah. Yeah, we kind of do that. We do it all well, the time. Yeah, you know, it's the old idea... It's human nature. It's the idea of history always repeats itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask, 
oh, why is the Bible so filled with all these stories about, you know, uh, violence and stuff? That's The Bible's not a story about good people. Mm -hmm. It's documenting history, and it's basically a cautionary tale almost in some, in some areas. Mm. It's a cautionary tale. This is what humans are likely to do. Mm. Don't do that again. Right. Because this is what happened the last time we tried this. <laughs> And yet we still do it. We yeah. still do it. We it's, repeated every story. Yeah, we repeated every story. And it's this idea that um, Satan, like, you know, for being a really smart being or whatever, mm. has not had to come up with anything new for the past thousands of years. He just sells humanity the same thing over and over again, just slightly repackaged over time. That's it, really. Yeah. So then some of the other, uh, I, some of the other reasons he gives is this idea of culture, Sometimes we're just brought up in a culture which has uh, values which aren't necessarily too amazing. And also involved in that is the idea that the media can even affect one's perception of morality, uh, which kind of ties into the idea of culture again. So those are a few of the reasons, and they tie into, again, this idea of why is it that humanity finds it so easy to just stand on the sidelines. It's got to do with, I want what's best for me. Or it might be, I need to get that immediate gratification as soon as possible, and this is stifling that. It's all wrapped up in this whole idea again. So I was just wondering, do you guys have any questions about the sermon? Uh, if you want to just get to know the topic a little bit better, have you got any questions for me? Uh, yeah, I've got a question. Um, so are there any other stories that come to mind in the Bible that relate to what you were talking about in the sermon? So you've got the Good Samaritan, that parable there. Are there any other characters or events or situations where you kind of kind of tie them in with the same issues, elements? What I think of the it. idea the idea we had before um, was the story of Jonah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so he he had a similar situation, right? He was he could have been a bystander. He had like a pretty awesome opportunity. He was across the sea mm -hmm. from from Nineveh, where he was asked to go by God. Um, the difference. I guess that we, we could bring out is that he was called by God to do this. Mm. Whereas when we see someone hurt, we aren't called by God. But like, if you read any of the Bible, we are called by God. Yeah. Yeah. So not directly, but yeah. Yeah. yeah he's written down and he's like, just read my word and you'll learn how to live. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Jonah was, yeah, we kind of are. Yeah. And immediately like I've been, I just, I've, I've got Jonah open here and it basically talks about God calls him in one verse and literally the next verse, it just says, and Jonah, Jonah arose to flee. <laughs> Like, yeah. so it just finishes say, saying, um, arise, go to Nineveh, da 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 da, da and then the speech, bracket, the speech thing closes off, and the next verse says, but Jonah arose to flee, like, immediately. Wow. Jonah didn't take any time to, like, ah, oh, should I go, ah, uh, what are the consequences of going, what are the consequences of not, he just arose to flee. Mm. Um, he doesn't even try to delegate it to anyone. Yeah. No. He doesn't even like Nineveh. Yeah. He just goes, you know what, the world would be better without them. I'm not even going to delegate this to anyone. That's mm. pretty bad. And what's interesting, like, this story, pretty much, like, black and white just says sin, as in not doing your job, not doing your duty, is looked at by God as, like, as bad as, as trespass. Mm. Or yeah. any other sins, you know? Yeah. Like, because that's all Jonah did wrong here. Later on, he did some worse stuff. But, like, all he did wrong here was just not do good. And mm. God, like, had to put him in a storm and, like, put him in a fish. I tell you what's interesting. God probably could have raised up another prophet to mm -hmm. do this, but it's almost as if he wants to teach Jonah a lesson. Yeah. He wants to get him through an experience and teach him, you know, 
these lessons of how about you obey what I'm saying, you know, mm. have compassion on my people. Mm. And it's so easy for us to kind of switch off that compassion and just think about ourselves and what we're doing mm. as opposed to thinking about other people. And we often lose that. Everyone, every single human being, whether they know of it or not, is made in the image of God. They're of infinite value to God, and yet we don't always treat them as such. And, like, that's something that, you know, even I fail to do a lot of the time, just mm. to treat people the same way that, well, Jesus did while he was here during his ministry on earth. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I was also thinking what would be great um, is if we could just share, like, a few personal experiences of perhaps maybe instances where we've failed to reach the mark, and then maybe also some ones where we have responded, so as a kind of like a contrast. So, Michael, how about we start off with you? Is there a time that um, you found yourself being a bit of a bystander at some point? Yeah, sure. Well, it's kind of, it's it's not always clear-cut. I mean, it, you kind of, I, I talk to people, um, and some people say, oh, whenever I see a hitchhiker on the side of the road, I pick them up and it gives me a chance to talk to them about God, you know what I mean? Um, but then you can kind of you can kind of argue mm. that picking up hitchhikers can be dangerous or not in your best interests, and they're not necessarily out in the cold, freezing to death. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not always clear cut, and yeah. Are you trying to justify yourself, <laughs> Mister Godfrey? Um, there are millions of cars. Wonderful <laughs> to pick them up. <laughs> but that's um, that's something where you could kind of say, well you had the opportunity there and, um, who knows if you, if you did something a little bit differently, um, um, yeah, maybe, maybe that person's life would be different. So, I mean, we, we can never yeah. see the bigger picture. Um, I'm sure God must look down on everything that's happening in the world day, every day, yeah, day after day. And, um, and, um, God kind of knows the, um, consequences of everyone's actions. So, um, I'm sure he'd be looking at what people don't do and saying, well, if you had just done this, then this would have happened and this would have happened and this would have happened and like the world would look completely different um, uh, in a positive mm. way and also in a negative way, I guess. Um, mm. I'm trying to think of uh, a better well, that, example. That point you're making, um, like the, God, God can see the, the result of po like positive actions and negative actions mm. and all the rest. Like it comes down to trust again and faith. Yeah. God looks at a situation and he thinks, man, I could get my kid back here. Like, I could get my son or my daughter back. And and he says to us, could you please help? Like, could you just do this, like, little tiny thing? Go over to that person, talk to them, go over to that person, offer them some help. And, and like, that opportunity, because God's involved, it could bring that person back to God. Mm. Like, bring his kid back and, and, like, save their lives and make everything, heal everything again, you know? And we look at it and we think, oh, man. I could like that would that would make me struggle like a tiny little bit, and yeah, I, I know. Have to walk over there, I'd have to associate with that person. I'd have to, you know, use my breath <laughs> to talk to them, you know. And God looks yeah. at it and he thinks, man, this like I could save this person. Yeah, and my 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 kid who is technically saved is like, nah, I'm too busy. Too how, much how weird is that? Hey. In the grand scheme of salvation, all these big things happening, mm. sometimes yeah. it just comes down to, eh, <laughs> it's I like, don't really feel like it. I want to go. I want to go down this aisle here in the shopping center because there's chips there, <laughs> <laughs> or I can go down this aisle and save someone's life. 
Yeah. It's priorities, isn't it? Yeah, like, how, it is. How misplaced our priorities sometimes? It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's funny. It, talking about that idea of the big picture, I, um, I had someone say to me once, imagine if God, just for five minutes, took you up to heaven and allowed you to see his big picture. Yeah. So if it was like a visual representation of his big, big picture, yeah. how would your view of life or your actions change what would you do differently yeah now being able to see that big picture and like we can't see it and we like we'll never be able to fully comprehend that mm. and so it comes down to as you were saying that idea of faith and trust mm. god's got the big picture so let's just you know work within it the best that we can pray for that guidance by god and the holy spirit yeah and then we'll be on the right track in that big picture for serving our part in which we can choose to help people as opposed to Get the chips. You think of the story of Job, right? Like, he he was desperate. And, like, he was so deserving of God explaining to him mm. what was going on, right? Like, more than anyone else I've probably ever met. Yeah. He was deserving of that. And God God couldn't show that to him because, like, when he tried, he showed Jonah what was going on. And, like, Jonah would have just been blown away. You mean Job? And, yeah. Did I say Job? Uh, Jonah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did I say Job first? You said Job. But we excellent. To excellent. <laughs> but Job would have, like... He would have just, like, it, it wouldn't have made sense to him, right? Mm. And and that's the point. From from understanding just what God's job is, we kind of need to just let him tell us what to do and, and just yeah. follow that. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's interesting. Those last few chapters of Job, God never actually says, hey, this is what happened in, well, what we call chapter one of the book, you know? Yeah. He never tells him about um, his encounter with Satan. He, yeah. Just, yeah. he just says, let me take you on like a virtual tour of the universe. Would have been so cool. Oh, and, man. Yeah, and then he says, let me take you on a tour of now just to this planet and everything I do here. And then let me show you the two grandest, biggest beasts that I've made here. Yeah. And he goes, that's just a little bit of a slice of the big picture I have, Job. Do you have enough faith in me, you know, yeah. to do, uh, to work within that big picture? Job would have seen like stuff that scientists today wish they could see. Oh, that you would know? have been a great, like, great tour. It would have been insane. And and what 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 we take from it, what Job took from it, is right. I've got to let God do His job and not, not <laughs> yeah. question it. But we can't do that these days. Like, why can't we just do that? Mm. Did you say let God do His job? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. One pun is too many. <laughs> yeah, and going back to. Chris's question from before, um, you can kind of change that a little bit and say, well, what if we knew that the world was going to end tomorrow or next week? I mean, how differently would we live? Mm. I think we need to pray for awareness. Just pray that God shows us people that are in need, people that we can help so that we don't become innocent bystanders. And like, again, it it does, does, you know, take some uh, discernment to not be like, oh, well, if the world's going to end, you know, go up to people and just say, you need to repent of your sins right now. And I like, hear that. Like, oh yeah, no, definitely. No, you don't <laughs> like there's like discernment that. involved. I, I know that's not what you were trying to say, but yeah, there's discernment involved. You know? <laughs> it, people don't convert normally on the spot. As soon as you yes, tell them, yes, the please baptize me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes time and that's okay. You know, you, you want to develop friendships and genuine friendships and relationships with people as you do this, you know, mm. it should be a pleasure and a delight to tell people mm-hmm. about this good news that we have. So, yeah. As speaking about um, like personal experiences I've had, uh, I know during school I'm not even not necessarily primary like even like the later years of school, mm. you know the, the classic uh, people who don't have friends. Yep. Um, 
for some reason, I always found it difficult, and it was a little bit because I find making new social interactions a bit difficult. Mm. Um, and as soon as I'm in that group, no, no issues at all. Mm. But it's always making that first encounter, even though I was the one reaching out to the person who had no friends. I still felt a little awkward, and I tried a few times with a certain few people, but I never kind of pursued it. And in my head, I kind of justified it was, oh, well, I've tried once or twice, you know. I've done my part when really if I'd stuck to my guns and kept pursuing it, I could have helped that person a lot more, you know. Yeah. I'd done a little bit for that person. And I thought, ah, that's good enough for me. But you, you, there's always the potential to do more. So that's definitely an instance where uh, I found myself being a bit of a bystander and, yeah, wished otherwise. I actually, similar situation, but like for me, the the reasoning was a bit different. So, I, you know, you'd see people that needed friends or people that were even being bullied, right? Mm. And I often would actually just want to help them, right? I'd really want to help them. But there was this, what seemed to me like this massive block in the way was that, ah, they're not cool. <laughs> yeah. If I go and hang out with them, if I associate with them, yeah. uh, I'm I'm going to look like one of them. Yeah. Right? And if they're being bullied, they're usually being bullied by the cool kids and... And you think to yourself, oh, man, I don't want that. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, yeah. it was, it, I wanted to help sometimes. But yeah. obviously not I mean, obviously not really. I didn't really want to help because I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to help. But this this thing of being cool or, like, associating with the right people, um, it got in the way. Mm. Well, uh, that's actually really interesting because it's one of the reasons I said that we do um, be... In a, uh, we do act as bystanders. Mm. Mm. This idea of fear of judgment or losing one's reputation yeah. or even fear of being dragged into someone else's trouble in the case of like someone being directly bullied or something. Yeah. And then, yeah, as, as a quick recap, the other ones were diffusion of responsibility, mm. supposed lack of time, could be a case of apathy or boredom or just coming up with moral justification. So mm. it's really interesting that you said that because that just happens to be one of the most common reasons we always want to do that to just look on yeah well does anyone have any stories of them doing some good stuff now? <laughs> <laughs> we might be here for a while <laughs> yeah wait i meant a while because we won't have any ideas. <laughs> no as in like you got so many stories <laughs> i realized now what that meant no thank you for clarifying i think for me like you know without getting on moral high horses because uh, what do you do? I did a, I did a few good things in comparison to all of the times I've missed out. But yeah. there have been times where, you know, people have just approached me and asked me questions. And I often do answer, like, questions for people, especially about the, the Bible or God. But even if I'm, like, completely honest with myself, mm. the reason I'm so willing to do it is often because it's pretty convenient for me. I can just think up of an answer on the spot or message them later or... Mm. It's a very convenient thing for me mm. to do. Mm. So even in like my good my good deeds quotation marks, um, there's still a little bit of a human selfishness there, and that's it. Like it all comes down to that human nature again, and that's what's scary about it, isn't it? That mm. everyone is like that. I, I don't think I don't think that's an uncommon thing. Now, here we go. Here's a good note to end on. All right. How is it that we change that? idea how is it that we change that that nature in us well like we've already established the, the cost is uh is different like it's always changing like sometimes like you said it might be super convenient other times it might cost us a whole evening to help someone out or it might cost us a little bit more mm. um mm -hmm. so 
yeah, how do we instill it within us? I think we have to ask God to help us. I think we have to pray about it and ask God to help us be more mm-hmm. like more like Jesus was, um, especially um, like the Good yeah. Samaritan how he, um, that, that he described in his parable. I think that was um, a big message that Jesus tried to get across throughout his ministry on earth. Something I'm, I'm only starting to realize like these days um, is the best way to do good is to understand what's been done for you. Yeah. By God. Yeah. And like, you know, I can good say point, that, right? Good point. The issue is, you, the issue is I can say that all I want and it's not going to get through to some people like, because they haven't had that experience themselves. Mm. It's a very personal thing. But from my experience, the best possible way to change your sinful nature is to get to know God. Yeah. yeah very That's good it. point. Like, and, and, and yeah, as I said, it's difficult to put that in words because it is personal. But once you've had that experience, you just want to keep getting closer to the, the right way to live. Mm. Yeah, and we don't really have the right to say um, the cost is too high because, uh, I mean, Jesus can just come back and say, well, uh, he gave everything <laughs> up for us. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. He That's... gave the potential for, like, continuing to exist up for us. Mm. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So really, what it comes back down to is that idea again of you have to first realize that you were the man who was robbed in that story. Yeah. Then once you realize, again, that that sacrifice that Jesus did, you know, paid that cost, only then can we begin to, well, help other people and even get out of that mindset of how many hours is this taking yeah. out of your mind. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that's what we always revert to? Do you think Jesus was thinking about that, though? Yeah. He, I, I reckon Jesus just saw someone and he goes, this is someone in need. I have the capacity to help, mm. as we all do. And so really, is it such a big ask for us to just help out people in yeah. that aisle yeah. instead of go to the chips? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big ask, is it, really? I mean, the chips, oh, I think they got Pringles in some of those. Salt and vinegar? <laughs> ah, man. Oh, what, what do you eat? We're going to end this on a really bad note. <laughs> You're a sour cream and chives man, aren't you? Oh, come on. Sour cream and, like, sweet chili. That's the way to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I, I don't have to exile you. I'm not too bad. What about what about corn chips? Corn chips are even better. Michael, get out. <laughs> oh, come on. Nah, corn chips are pretty good. you got to have salsa, though. And reply in the comments with your favourite snack food. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us who's right and who's got the best <laughs> chip choices. Um, so, Christopher Peterson, do you have any recommended readings? Well, Mr. Mitchell Sonter, <laughs> uh, I would recommend, um, once again, John MacArthur's sermon. It's available on YouTube. The Most Misunderstood Parable of All Time, but also um, Al Gini, that's A-L space G-I-N-I, his book, Why Is It So Hard to Be Good? It's not written by a Christian author, again, but it's a really, it's almost a kind of fun mental exercise uh, you have to play with yourself, because he's got all these really good ideas, and then it's up to you to contextualize it from a biblical point of view and Mm. go, here's how I can add a little bit more extra info. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more philosophical, but it's a really interesting book, and it really... Um, exercise your brain to get knowledge and then incorporate that biblical perspective. Yep. So I found it really fun. All right. Well, Mr. Godfrey, where can these people find you? Uh, well, you can find me on my YouTube channel. That's just Michael Godfrey. Pretty easy. Um, it should be linked to, uh, it should be in the, the um, description of this video here or just linked to the After Summer Podcast channel. This is true. Excellent. Um, Chris. Where can the good people find you on this YouTube site? Well, they can find me at my YouTube channel, Christopher Peterson. That's spelt with an S-E-N 
the Danish proper way. <laughs> and yeah, you can always find me here regularly on fortnightly basis on the After Sermon podcast. Definitely, and um, your channel should be in the description too. Will be. And uh, Mr. Salter. Easy, too easy. Can people spam your Facebook page? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Facebook page is Mitchell, spelt C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Peterson, spelled P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. That's how you spell Mitchell... Wait. Oh, I said Peterson. That's how you spell Mitchell Peterson, apparently. Uh, if you want to find me, that's, that's your site. Please... <laughs> Please leave more comments about chips <laughs> at that site. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I just thought of one more thing. It's not a recommended reading, but for all those um, maybe families listening out there with kids, uh, Veggie Tales, they did an episode. It's Big River Rescue. It's all about helping others. They've got a lot oh, of good stuff Oh, is that the there. one that's kind of like a parody of Huckleberry just, uh, Finn and Tom Sawyer? That's yes, that's it. One. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they've got, yeah, they've got Tomato Sawyer and... Um, Huckleberry Larry. Guys, uh, ASP is now available on YouTube, on SoundCloud, podcasts, on iTunes, and even Podbean if you go there. So make sure to subscribe, follow us on all of those platforms, and come back each fortnight as we look at a new sermon and a new topic. Also, don't forget to like and follow us on our Facebook page. Um, that way you can get all of our updates, links to upcoming sermons for the podcast episodes and other big announcements. Once again, thank you guys for supporting us, for listening in, tuning in every week. And with that said, that concludes today's podcast. We hope you've been blessed as we've discussed the idea of innocent bystanders and how we, with the help of God, can really make a difference in other people's lives. So make sure to come back in a fortnight for another episode. And with that said, have a good one and good, good night. night.